Hey, welcome, everybody. This is Table Talk, your healthy theological radio addiction. My name is Brent Kuhlman. I serve Trinity Lutheran Church in Murdoch, Nebraska. That's halfway between Lincoln and Omaha or just straight south of Mahoney State Park. If you're vacationing in the area, come visit. If not, uh, come to Good Shepherd where there's uh, Clint Poppy and Adam Oline and A.J. Bader. You're going to be here for how long, A.J.? Till the end of July. End of July. You're getting close to being done. Your your prison sentence is about done as Vicarage. Uh, uh, we'll see how the Vicar Roast goes. The, the one <laughs> thing that I remember, oh, and for the Vicar Roast, if you're anywhere near Good Shepherd, all I can say is if you thought that uh, the O.J. Simpson trial was big, all I can say is the Vicar Roast, which will be on the last Sunday in July here at Good Shepherd, starting at 5 o'clock. You're all welcome to come and join us. Um, we will have the trial of the century. <laughs> if the glove we will. fits, you must convict. It, we will have the trial of the century. <laughs> and I, one thing I remember from the uh, the one and only time, I think, uh, I think Vicar Bader is Vicar number 17 or 18 or 19, something like that. I did go to one vicarage supervisor workshop. And the one thing that stuck is all vicarages self-destruct in 12 months. So whether it's really bad or really good, don't get too worried, don't get too attached, because it's over in 12 months. You know, uh, uh, I can't help myself. You need to bring this. We intern gentlemen for a year, and then uh, they go back to school for a year, and then we say, okay, have at it. <laughs> I, find the, I find this strange to a certain extent, and here's why. If I would go like to North Carolina or someplace in the United States and I'd try and be a, a, a master furniture maker, do you realize how long I'd have to apprentice? Do you know five, how long I'd have to apprentice? Five years, seven years, seven ten years? Seven years, I think. It's close to seven years. I'd have to apprentice to become a master furniture maker. Yeah, but that's you've got something important in your hands there with <laughs> furniture. It's not like people's souls are. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I just find that, I find that uh, ironic. Uh, but the Lord, the Lord still has his church. Uh, the Lord still uses these men as his instruments to preach his word. And uh, it's just interesting how this works. We, we intern a guy for a year and say, okay, good enough. But if I'd be a master furniture maker, I'd have to apprentice for... And by the way, you know, if, if you're going to be a plumber, a master plumber, or a master electrician, you've got to apprentice for more than a year, don't you? Of course. A plumber, pipe fitter... Uh, electrician, any of these, any of these cra- uh, <laughs> trades. Uh, think, think about someone who's going to work on a body. Yeah, you right, know, right. we have them go to school for <laughs> six or eight years, and then we, then and only then, we put a scalpel in their hand, and the only thing we let them cut on is a dead body. It's no wonder then that uh, we had one, one uh, infamous pastor in this district about uh, twenty years ago. I think it was, it's close to twenty years ago. Who called? Who always talked about himself as being a recovering seminarian. <laughs> that man should have apprenticed for about ten or fifteen years. <laughs> there you go, and and then be denied. Yeah, <laughs> ninth and tenth commandment. I made the observation at the close of our uh, our uh, program last week. You know, from Romans seven that Paul said, "You know, I didn't even I didn't even think about coveting until the, the commandment said, do not covet.'" And all of a sudden, it was like putting a, a lighted match to gasoline. And then Paul, all of a sudden, there he was, off and running, doing what? Coveting. Coveting like crazy. That is to say that sin grabbed a hold of the commandment. Did you hear what I said? Sin grabbed a hold, because, you know, the commandment's before the fall. The law of God, you know? Adam and Eve delighted in this. 
But once sin came in the world, okay, so, so what does sin do? Sin grabs a hold of the commandment. And what does Paul do? He begins coveting like there's no tomorrow. So sin then, inflamed and magnified by what? By the law. And this is why um, the commandment here, 9 and 10, you shall not covet your neighbor's house, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, etc. Um, this turns Paul's heart into a coveting machine. And that's why Paul says in Romans 7, O wretched man that I am, because this gets back to the first commandment. On a secular level, we see this all the time. You know, people are listening on the radio here. If I tell people, whatever you do, do not think about a pink elephant with a cigar in its mouth. Do not. I mean, put it out of your mind. Do not think about a pink elephant with a cigar in its mouth. It will be to your harm and to your detriment if you think of a pink elephant with a cigar hanging out of its mouth. And what is the only thing now that I've said that stupid thing three times? What is the only thing you can think about? Is a black bear with... Uh, I'm thinking about the movie Ghostbusters at the end of it where... Uh, whatever they think of, that will be the incarnation of the evil. Oh. And they don't think of anything. Don't think of anything. And then is it Winston that thinks of the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man? Yes. Yeah, so <laughs> I tried to think of the most kind and gentle thing in the whole world. <laughs> yes. At, I mean, on a secular level, yeah. we all know how this works. And what Paul is teaching us here, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, of course, is that the law does the same thing. This is this is uh, Satan at work using the law, which is good, to stoke and kindle the fires of sin inside of us. Yeah, sin takes the commandment and takes and 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 turns us into a coveting machine. Okay, that's Paul's point in Romans seven. Um, so again, my I'm going to ask the vicar. You know, you've been at the seminary a couple years. You're going to go back for a fourth year here. Uh, if he passes vicarage. Well, that's, that's, uh, that's debatable, I guess. I guess I better put in a good word for you. <laughs> um, have, have you been taught that the, the you know, did, in your homiletics classes, have you been taught that the law doesn't change people for, you know, for the better? You, yeah, okay, through good. and through. That's good. And, and this is really important because whether you're a pastor or whether you're a parent, you know, if you think that the law is going to change people, and, and change them for the better. It does not do that. The law does not have the power to change people for the better. What it does is it <clears throat> magnifies the sin. It actually then increases the sin, as Paul teaches in Romans. I can't say that enough. So, this again, this gets back to the proper distinction between the law and the gospel that the Lutheran confessions are very keen to show from the scriptures. And see, pastors are always tempted to think, to use the law as the instrument like it's the gospel. Have you noticed this? That the law then replaces the gospel. And this, get, this is how all the heretics and the false teachers in America work. Um, Joel Osteen, he uses the law to think he can change people. Uh, and uh, Rick Warren, same thing. And those, those are the two modern ones. Uh, for our older listeners, you know, we, we've had uh, Chuck Swindoll. We've had, uh, who was the guy with the purple, or not the purple, but the, uh, the cathedral out in California? Robert Schuler. Robert Schuler. Before that, it was Norman Vincent Peale. We've had, we've had. By the way, folks, I have to interrupt you. Peale and Schuler. And I know most Missouri Center Lutherans uh, who are older than me, who are like your age, Clint, they grew up with these people, and these people were the gospel truth kind of preachers. Guidepost Magazine, et cetera. But I have to say this, I have to interrupt you. 
When you investigate Peel and Schuler, you discover that these men are Gnostics. They are Gnostics, and they, which leads, of course, to rank paganism, which means what I'm saying is, is, is that Peel and Schuler, and I'll just be blunt, Schuler in his book, um, The New Reformation, said that the new reformation that must take place in the church is this, that the church must stop telling people that they are sinners. <laughs> and and so a mysticism. And so then they're pointed to themselves, and bottom line, look, it was the Walt... Schuler and Peel were the Walt Disney theologians of America, which is to say you got a problem, look deep within yourself, you can find a spark of the divinity, and your problem, your problem isn't sin, your problem is ignorance. You just don't know that there's a spark of divinity within yourself, and you need to inflame that spark and become the divine being that you really are. That's, that's what these people essentially were. Sounds, sounds like fan into flame, the ablaze within well, you uh, that permeated the Missouri Senate for a decade. Well, I'm not saying that the, 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 the Ablaze program was Gnostic. I'm not saying that. But I'm telling you that Schuler. <laughs> I think I just did. Schuler and Peel, oh, they were. There now, is, I interrupted you. but There is ahead. a good interview of Robert Schuler by Todd Wilkin on Issues Etc. Did he interview Schuler? He did. And I think Schuler got mad at him for asking questions along the tact that you were talking about. Um, do you really believe these things? And, uh, you know, that doesn't sound very Christian. I think Robert Schuler got mad at Todd Wilkin. He might have even hung up the phone on him. I have to think back oh, and wow. uh, remember. Well, the, the only reason I brought up this litany of names is to say that oftentimes the most popular preachers in our world are preachers of the law, not preachers of the gospel, as if the law has some power to change us, to save us, to give us our best life now, all this kind of nonsense. And there is only one thing that can change a wicked heart. There is only one thing that can change a covetous heart into a content heart, and that is the bloody death and glorious resurrection of Jesus Christ for you. That is the only thing. Yeah, And, and in our world today, though, we do have to say you, you preach both law and gospel. You can't do either one of them to the exclusion of the other. And I think that's an important thing to say because there are some who then err on the other side and they only talk about the gospel and never actually preach any law as well. And so both things have to be upheld as God's word, as good, right, and salutary, and for the use of uh, curbing, um, creating faith, and uh, making people Christian. And the reason why you say that, Adam, is because you know from Romans 7 and other parts of Scripture that the believer... And it's the baptized believer. When you read the book of Romans, you've got, you know, we're justified by faith. And then we're buried with Christ into his baptism. And we're raised in the resurrection like his to lead a new life. We, we realize that we are at the same time a saint and at the same time a sinner. We call this the simul. Simul is the Latin for where we get our word simultaneous. So we are at the same time justified and a sinner. That's why you have to properly distinguish between the law and the gospel. The law has to be preached to the old sinful nature so that it, it's killed. And so that the gospel can be preached so that a new man can live by faith. You see, But you see, it's the Lutherans who only, who, who only teach this. Now there are some Anglicans on the East Coast that are uh, getting this. Um, those of you who have heard about the Mockingbird people, um, the Zal boys, Z-A-H-L boys, and their dad... Um, they are very interested in the proper distinction between the law and the gospel, and that's a good thing. But generally speaking, nobody wants to make this distinction. And uh, 
that that is detrimental for people because when you deny the simul, then what happens to salvation? Salvation then becomes a process where you move from a lower level existence to a higher level existence, which is to say you're you're on a continuum, on a scale or a ladder in which you move from vice to virtue or from sin to sanctification, which means, brothers and sisters, if you run with this and deny the simul, you're not justified until you get to the top of the ladder or the top of the continuum, which means you're not justified now. It's only a potential. If you hear people talking about vice and virtue and you don't hear them talking about the Ten Commandments, you don't hear them talking about the uh, Good Friday death and Easter resurrection of Jesus, beware, be very aware, be careful, because something is amiss that uh, um, uh, medieval Roman Catholicism uh, mix-up is uh, is happening right before your very ears. Now, when we get back, we're gonna we're gonna end this discussion on the ninth and tenth commandments, and then we'll rejoice in more. So, hang on tight. at noon on KNNA. Welcome back, everybody. This is Table Talk, your healthy theological radio addiction. I'm Brent Kuhlman here with Clint Poppy, Adam Aline, and A.J. Bader, the vicar who's not here for very much longer. Nobody knows his first name here because his first name is Vicar. <laughs> exactly. That's All the children know him as that, I'm sure. Ninth and Tenth Commandments. We're going to wrap this up, and then we're going to move to the close of the commandments. So um, we observed that with the commandments from Romans 7, when, when the commandment says, do not covet, well, then all of a sudden Paul is off and running, coveting like crazy. So the law does not have the power, for lack of better terminology. It does not have the power to save. What it does is because of sin, sin, take, sin takes hold of the commandment, and sin uh, taking hold of the commandment then increases the sin all the more. So the law is never, and I repeat, the law, the Ten Commandments, are never an instrument by which someone can be saved. So what's the solution? The solution is a new heart. So whereas the old Adamic heart covets, you have to have a new heart spelled what? F-A-I-T-H. Okay, that's, that's me. You got J-E-S-U-S. We learn slowly here at Table Talks Lutheranism 101, but there are certain Kuhlmanisms, like it's the whole enchilada, 
yeah. but there are certain Kuhlmanisms that uh, <laughs> are. Uh, we can joke about this, but there are certain Kuhlmanisms that are profound. Well, my, con- profound. my, my congregation the- has got this down pat now. That I, everything, and this is spelled what? And you've got people in the pews saying it out loud now. Yes, and this is uh, to to distill great theological truths into a way that people can hear and repeat back to you. Um, okay, now, uh, little boy, little girl, uh, what did I tell you to do? You're going to clean your room, and then you can play. Now, say it back to me. And what you have done in your high pastoral care with your people and now with the listeners on the radio is you have done that, and you do that exceptionally well. well so I, thank you. Well, I hope this is edifying for people because, see, we Lutherans – and the pastors especially are tempted to think that we got we got to have miracles in the church. Miracles. And, of course, for a number of years when I was a pastor, it was the R.I.M. movement, the REM movement, Renewal in Missouri. And it was all about these charismatic gifts and special gifts of the Holy Spirit, you know, speaking in tongues and healings and all this kind of stuff. We've got to have miracles in the church to make it grow. Well, I got news for you, folks. The miracle is right before our very eyes when the unbeliever is converted to become a believer through the preaching and the application of the gospel by the power of the Holy Spirit. That is an absolute miracle. That's, uh, have these people read the book of Acts where there's a miracle that takes place? And everybody's like, what the heck just happened? And it's not until preaching and baptism and the Lord's Supper are applied to it that people actually come to Christian faith. All the miracles do is get people's attention, and it's the word and the sacraments that create faith in G. It's the same thing that happens now, you know. I, I don't know. That always bothers me a little bit. Yeah, we're always looking for miracles apart from the real one. When the gospel is preached and the Holy Spirit is actually bringing dead spiritual people to new life, a resurrected life spelled F-A-I-T-H. So if anyone is in Christ, he is, as Paul says, a new creation. The old has passed. Behold, the new has come. The, uh, the miracle that people have grown accustomed to or bored with or just outright deny is the physical bodily resurrection of the God-man Jesus from the dead. That has become, oh, by the way, a nothing. I can't tell you how many pastors, how many synodical officers, including presidents, over the years have said, okay, now uh, let me get this out of the way. Jesus died and rose for you. Okay, are you listening out there? Write this down. Jesus died for and rose for you. Now let me get to the important stuff. And then they will go on to talk about method or some law-based thing right here. And they make a mockery out of the cornerstone of our faith the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. The gospel assumed, one of my friends said, and he's right, a long time ago he said, the gospel assumed is the gospel denied. <laughs> That's what Amen. you're saying. And I, I'm saying that, and for our hearers that may not be familiar with that little slogan in the church, just unpack that just a little bit, would you please? The gospel assumed is the gospel denied. What do you mean by that? Just exactly how you presented it. 
when when whoever it is says, "Oh yeah, Jesus died and rose again." Yeah, we all know that. Now let's move on to something. Well, I'll else. say who it was. It was Jerry Kieschnick. Okay. Former president of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, Gerald Kieschnick, said that at a gathering at King of Kings Lutheran Church, Omaha, Nebraska, and Layman, then chairman of the congregation, Kurt Christensen, and I were invited to this gathering because we had a fast-growing congregation, and we heard and we witnessed this uh, travesty. Hmm. Well, that Paul, Paul would call this uh, bewitchment. <laughs> Who has bewitched you? Uh, well, yeah. Uh, so but the point we were making earlier is that what's the solution to the coveting? It's a new heart. Create in me a clean heart, right. O God. Right. It's a heart then that beats to what? It's a heart that beats to God's will, a heart that beats to God's word, in the fear, love, and trust in God above all things so what steps do i need to take then what method do i need to follow that's god's work we just had that um i suppose a couple months ago in the uh, scripture reading where um i think it's in ezekiel where god says i will cut out your heart of stone and i will give you a heart of flesh and uh, that's what god does and he does it through the preaching of the word and through the administration of the sacraments through baptism through the lord's supper through the holy absolution preached into your ear and spoken by uh you know whoever it is that's administering it it's by a faithful sermon it's by reading the scripture lessons on a regular basis and reading a scripture at home anywhere the word is the holy spirit is at work creating a new heart and uh, uh, killing that heart of stone i know that but what steps do i need to take to make sure to, to guarantee that this happens. What <laughs> method do I need to follow? Uh, what 10-step formula? Uh, Go to church, a faithful church, a good church. But even that's not your work. That's a response of the already having faith. I'll give so, you I'll give you, you the, guys won't play with me. I'll here. give you the Dr. Luther answer. Suffer it. Suffer God's work on you and for you. That's what. And you just mentioned it, Adam. Luther always put it this way. Suffer it. It's called the 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 vita passiva in latin this is how he'd always write you know luther when you read luther in the original it drives people crazy especially me because in a sermon he'll be he'll be preaching in german and all of a sudden it's latin and then he's back to german and it's latin it's just non-stop <laughs> yeah it's like a dr g lecture at the uh, seminary vita, going from korean to english he didn't v, realize he was doing it vita passiva the passive life you the answer to your question is just let the Lord do his work on you. So how is it that you're given a new heart that beats to God's word and God's <clears throat> will? You're baptized. It's not any different than getting a heart transplant in um, in a hospital, right? What do you do to get yourself a heart transplant there? Do you lay on your back and cut open your chest and split your own ribs and pull it open and while you stop your heart switch them I mean, no but you, i you... i may bribe the uh, transplant center with lots of money uh to get to move up on the list see so humanly speaking i'm still i still want to be in control i still want to be in charge and the old adam can't stand to hear that it is a passive life the old adam wants to do something yeah and then so so back to to answer your point here uh, you playing devil's advocate is okay. So God gives you a new heart in Christ through the gospel. And Adam delineated the gospel given in many ways. In baptism, absolution, Lord's Supper, etc. 
the mutual consolation and conversation of the brethren, etc. And to answer your question is when God gives you a new heart that beats to his word and his will, guess what your heart, your faith does? Your new heart. It does battle. Your faith is a fighting faith. So on the one hand, it's vita passiva, where the Lord gives you a new heart through his gospel. And now, given this new heart, your heart is active. Faith is active. It's a fighting faith. And what's it fighting against? Your old Adam. It must die. The desires of the old Adamic heart that wants to covet 24-7, 365 must die. And this is a daily battle. Daily. Constant. Constant. And this is the life lived in and from your baptism into Christ. It's too bad there's not a place in the catechism that says that uh, every day we need to drown that old Adam in the waters of holy baptism so that a new man might arise to live before God in righteousness and purity. I mean, if only there was a place that said that. Yeah, Romans know. 6, I think, is uh, part of that. Yeah, bap- that's too. baptism part 4. And by the, way, small by the way, this brings up another important point. You know, Missouri Synod Lutherans are very keen to say, remember, you know, remember your baptism, but never delineate what that means. Usually, and again, I speak in general to make my point. But what does that generally mean? Well, it means on your baptismal birthday, you light a candle and say, I'm baptized. Now, that's okay, but there needs to be more. More needs to be said. To remember your baptism means more than just a mental thing that says, I was baptized you know, on a certain date when I was so old. But rather, to remember your baptism, according to the scriptures, would be to live in and from it. To live in and from the fact that with Christ, you were buried with him into his death, and you have been raised with him in a resurrection like his to lead a new life. So back to what you were talking about. The new man, spelled F-A-I-T-H, who has the new heart that beats according to God's word and will, fights against the old Adam to put it to death. And secondly then, the the new man, spelled F-A-I-T-H, will now want to do what? To live according to God's word in regard with the ninth and tenth commandments and all the rest of the commandments. Faith toward God, love toward neighbor. Right, right, right. Uh, Why do you think it is, Pastor? That I mean, we're what we've just talked about here in this this segment is the the very ABCs of the faith, the very elementary teaching of the faith. Why do you think so many people have gone beyond, or tried to go beyond, or have scrapped this elementary teaching? looking for something more, for something bigger, for something better, for some shiny new toy, and have completely forgotten the ABCs and the elementary part of faith is simply dying to sin every day and living, rising with Christ. Why is that? Well, the old Adam says that's not enough. You're leaving me out. I need to do something. The devil says, God's a liar. You can't trust him. And so does the world. You can't trust what God says about what he gave you in baptism and that, that God will actually kill your old Adam through the word of law and then raise you up to lead, lead a new life through the gospel. Ah, oh, God's a liar. It's the Genesis 3 trick all over again. I, I think the old Adam also says, I don't want to die. Exactly. It doesn't sound like fun. <laughs> exactly. Why don't we try this first? Yes, yes that's right. That's right. Yeah, that's another coolmanism. Uh, exactly. uh, many times when... Uh, People, especially pastors, are whining and complaining about the problems that they're facing or that they perceive they're facing. Uh, Pastor Kuhlman will simply say, embrace the death. Embrace the death. Yeah. And that really sums up much of what the Christian life is as well. It's daily repentance. Yeah, and that's living in and from your baptism. Now let's clinch this as we're running out of time. 
So in Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters, the emptiness of coveting is filled with what? It's filled with the gift, as Paul says in Philippians, it is filled with the gift of contentment. So the new man then lives for the sake of others, not for itself. The new man lives for the benefit of the neighbor. Okay, make sense? Amen. Well, I hope that's helpful, folks. We're going to move to the close of the commandments next time. In the meantime, stay Lutheran, my friends.